it is that time again. Time for The Brazen Truth. I'm Tiffany Cater, and today we're going to be talking about where feminism and motherhood intersect. It seems like sometimes these two things contradict the other. It's so strange because you would think that this wouldn't be the case, but it is for many women. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that um, with my special guest, Sue Cater. Sue Cater, you might uh, think that last name sounds familiar, and you would be right because my last name is Cater. Uh, Sue Cater is my mother-in-law, and I could not be more excited for her to be on an episode of the podcast with me. So please stay tuned with great expectation, and you will not be disappointed. Thanks again for joining me. This is going to be good. Yeah, so, um, first of all, I want to go ahead and introduce you to everyone. Oh, Guys, you guys are listening to the right podcast today because I have the amazing (laughs) Sue Cater here with us today. She is my mother-in-law. She raised my my husband, not my son, my husband. (laughs) And uh, he's actually the youngest of eight children. You know, by itself, that is very commendable, but that's not where your resume ends. You also have been a missionary all over the world in India, in Nepal, and uh, God has just just used you and your husband to win thousands of people to Jesus over there. And, um, you know, that is just such a legacy that you've created and that you've allowed God to do through you guys. We are so thrilled that the Lord used us there, Tiffany. And it's so funny in a way, you know, I think about motherhood and all the years raising my children. But in the last few years, as I've really studied more and more about this. Here I am a grandma, but I'm studying about mothers and just thinking, oh, I wish I had known this in those days when life was so busy. But I think I just love this topic. I love being a mother. I love being a woman. You know, I just, if I can impart just... That love for the way God designed women, i that's a thrill for me, a privilege. Right, and I think that the world is desperate, desperate yes. for that. The world is desperate for fathers, and the world is desperate for mothers. And yes. I think that sometimes in the name of equality, people have tried to blur the lines so much that we really have neither um, prevalent in our society, and we need that. We need yeah. our mothers, we need our fathers in the home, doing what God created them to do, what God designed for them to do. And people have um, created such a resentment even towards their gender roles because they don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to be put in a box, but they don't realize that sometimes when you are showing the love um, really of God, even if you're not, even if you're not a Christian love, God said, the Bible says God is love. So when you're truly loving someone, it's because God designed us in his image and he designed us with the ability to love. Yeah. And part of that is doing things that you don't necessarily want to do because it's for the benefit of the subject of your love or the object of your yeah. affection, yeah. which is our children. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So, you know, having said that, I do want to just kind of um, comment on the beginning of our relationship. And, you know, me, me, and, <laughs> me and Jeremy, we've been married for going on eight years now. So um, at the beginning of our relationship, I was terrified of you. Not that because you're the sweetest you're just the sweetest woman that anyone will ever meet. But at the same time, like, I know that you made your kids' clothing sometimes by hand. Um, you made pie from scratch, <laughs> which to me is just amazing. I did it one time, and it was hard. <laughs> you made homemade bread, you know. They they would go pick wild berries, you know, out of a bush and bring them home, and you made them pie with it. So that... That scared me <laughs> because it scares me too. <laughs> but it's amazing. That's that's amazing. And so and you had eight kids, which uh, you you homeschooled. You homeschooled all yeah. of these children while doing ministry. You were a pastor's wife, so you know I, just all of those things were very intimidating. Yeah. So I just looking back, it's kind of funny um, thinking about those things now, but. In the last couple of years, you know, with COVID and with all the things that are coming out about what they're teaching our children in, oh in public schools, yeah. um, over like some of the experiences that I've seen people, righteous men and women of God, raise their kids and put them in public schools. And even though they taught them all the right things, they trained them in all the right ways, their kids just completely flipped. So watching those transformations and those children completely just contradict everything their parents had ever taught them. I mean, yeah, there's social media, there's all kinds of things to come, you know, that we need to take Mm -hmm. into account. But one of those things is also public schools. Yeah. And one of those things is also the change in the family dynamic. Yeah. You know, I had mentioned to you, I was looking up some information on the feminist movement and I felt so disconnected from it because... Supposedly, it started, the second wave started in the 1960s. Well, we started having children. Our first daughter was born in 1977. And I'm thinking, oh my, I missed. (laughs) I missed all that because I loved being a mom. I loved my role. I thought I had the most important job in the world. That's so awesome. And and I think part of that is because the group we were associated with spiritually, there were three things we were trying to accomplish, and any one of the three would have been a lifetime endeavor. One was we really believed, you know, children are a gift from the Lord. Yeah. And we believed we could raise children that stood on our shoulders. And, you know, some of our own backgrounds are a little dysfunctional. So we were thinking, this is so awesome. We're going to affect this whole next generation because our children won't start from down here. They'll start from here and build up. And so we are going to contribute to the building block of family and build into the next generation, build the culture and build the churches because strong families make strong churches. So that was a huge goal. And Big families went along with that, you know. If if raising your children is going to bless the world, let's have all we can have. Right, you know? and you guys sure did that. And we tried. <laughs> Actually, this is funny because when we first, before we even got married, we talked about being missionaries and 
we had decided we wouldn't have children because wow. we thought, you know, it might be dangerous. And and Mike had asked me, you know, honey, if God calls us to Afghanistan, will you go? And I said, yeah. But I was thinking probably not having children would be the best if that's right. the life God chose for us. But um, we ended up having two in our first year. Wow, two? How does that even happen? <laughs> we had Debbie on January 1st, and Sherry was a preemie and born December 13th. Wow. That was year one. Oh, my goodness. Then a year and a half later, we had our third. So we had, I, I'm sure we must have had three in diapers. I can't even remember. But, you know, it's like we started out with a bang. Well, we threw that idea out pretty oh fast of not having children. <laughs> This was not God's plan for it. But we had that core value of big families because we were going to affect the world right. through our children and our family. Yeah. The second big one then was the homeschooling because, mm-hmm. you know, we wanted those values instilled. We wanted our values, our world perspective instilled in our children. Right. So we almost had to pull them out of the world's perspective to give them our perspective. So that was a huge thing. But the third thing was we wanted to reach the world for the Lord with the gospel. Yeah. And so that was a family thing. Oh, I remember we had so many people over to our house. We wanted our children there learning and observing. Our children were a part of that culture. Yeah. That was our world. You know, we are going to affect the world for Jesus Christ. So they grew up with that in their DNA. Yeah, so and Jared tells me such amazing stories at that time. And, and can I just point out that all eight of your children are serving the Lord. So yeah, it's so grace. <laughs> so the Lord's grace. And right. Help. But I mean, I, I also think that that, that really says a lot. And I know that there's statistics out there that show the success rates and, um, you know, other, other things that they take into consideration with people who have been raised by, um, stay at home moms, mm-hmm. um, versus those who had working moms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was a single mom for seven, years so I worked that whole time you know I had I had had no choice right Um, but God also supplied me with a lot of his grace during that time and Jaden he's 15 now and he loves God he loves God he you know he does his devos his devotionals on his own Um, he 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 really is pursuing God with all his heart and that makes that makes me so happy oh it's wonderful but he went to public school you know Mm -hmm. Um, but again God's grace for the seed But I think that there's a shift happening right now, Mm -hmm. a shift happening. And I think that God is calling mothers to arms. You know, when I was a little girl, my favorite Disney movie was uh, Beauty and the Beast. That was my favorite one. Right. And beauty and beauty is, you know, Belle. She's she sings the song, I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. And then she, she goes on to sing. So I want so much more what they have planned. And that's kind of how I felt like religion, because the way that I grew up was very legalistic. Mm -hmm. So I already had that underlining resentment there. Mm -hmm. So I kind of felt like religion was trying to put me in a box. And I was just, I felt so wild at heart and so adventurous. And I wanted to go do 
all of these things, everything um, except be stuck in a house raising some kids. And it's funny because later in that movie, you know, Gaston, he's a horrible guy, right? Definitely not the guy for her. Um, Very, yeah, chauvinistic, all of that stuff. But there's a part where he's proposing to Belle and he plops his muddy boots up on the fireplace and asks her her to massage his feet or he's singing about his wife massaging his feet and having like six or seven boys and and she's like no I don't want that and that's kind of the image of being a stay-at-home mom that I had in my mind Mm -hmm. you know keep Mm -hmm. them keeping you under their thumb to be their nanny and their you know their house their housekeeper and I, I think that that might have been, again, I was raised in a very legalistic church, so there was that underlining resentment, but I think it might have been leftover residue from um, second wave feminist movement. I think so. Tiffany, Betty Friedan, she wrote, um, the perfect nuclear family image depicted and strongly marketed at the time she wrote did not reflect happiness and was rather degrading for women, this book is widely credited with having begun second-wave feminism in the United States. Wow. See, the nuclear family is God's image for right. the family. You know, father, mother, children. It's it's the nuclear family, but it's the biblical family. Now, I know it can get complicated, but the picture, the lie in that was... Women aren't happy in that role, and and women bought into that lie. And I was laughing today because I remember a dear godly woman. She was helping disciple me. She, you know, in every field, I don't care what job, what you have your good days and you have your bad days. Oh, absolutely. And you have your ups and your downs. And she had they had a lot of children too and she had had one of those bad days <laughs> and she told me she said i had had it <laughs> sounds and like she, me yesterday <laughs> she said i walked out that front door and i was just going to go away and she said as i was walking down the front walk she said i remembered i had pies in the oven <laughs> Hey, that's a good reason. So she thought, oh, today is not my getaway day. I have to go back and take care of the pies. But I was thinking, you know, motherhood, family life, you die to yourself. Oh, my gosh, yes. And that very woman told me every baby... She said, every baby we have, I look at it, this is another opportunity to die to myself. Well, I can see if women don't have a broader picture and they don't see the goal and they don't see, I am living out God's purpose for my life. I am accomplishing what God made me to do to nurture and love children. You know, the day-to-day grind would make you want to walk out of your house I have had a few days like that. Like. I like I used to wonder how cuz like you hear about women just leaving their families and like going far away or whatever. I used to wonder how could a woman do that? Mm-hmm. But I've had a few days where that was a very tempting thought and a comforting thought to think I could just get in the car right now and just drive. Mm-hmm. But um 
I uh, saw something on Facebook the other day that the pastor of Elevation Church, and it was talking about purpose. And he said, if your purpose, if in your purpose and in your pursuit of your purpose and your calling, if you don't have a garden of Gethsemane moment when Jesus was in the garden and he was just in utter anguish and turmoil at the prospect of fulfilling his purpose, Mm -hmm. which was to die on the cross and to be resurrected from the dead. Mm -hmm. But that first step, the dying on the cross part, it wasn't something that got him excited. No. It wasn't something that (laughs) he felt happy and like, you know, super pumped about. It was something that he did not want to do. But for the joy set before him. Exactly. He endured. And that's the perspective we have to have. If we don't have that, right, it'll be very difficult. Right. And if you don't have that moment, then most likely, most likely, that's not really the purpose that God has given you. Because there's talk of dying to yourself, like you said, oh, over and over yes. and over again yes. in the Bible. So yes. if there's no dying to yourself, then yeah. there's not going to be a resurrection. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, one of our goals was to reach the world. Well, there are questions. <laughs> like, I remember I had a question. I, I'm changing diapers, and I'm thinking, Lord, when I was single, I was out witnessing. I was out oh, having Bible studies. I was out there. I was so spiritual. I was doing all this ministry. Yes. And the thought is was in my mind, you know, I'm changing a diaper. How am I reaching the world? And do you know a pastor's wife said... She said, in the Bible, God's commands do not contradict. And she said, God said, love your children. He also said, reach the world. Right. She said, that is not a contradiction. That fits together. Do you know, Tiffany, I was free. That helped me because I thought that's so true. I don't have to understand how this fits into this big picture. There are going to be so many things I don't understand. But if I just obey the Lord and trust trust Him, He is going to work it out. Absolutely. And, and you know, now I look back and I think... Those were moments with your children. You're building a relationship. You are loving them. Their needs are getting met. And by the age of two, most children's worldview is already set by the age of two. What? Yes. Wow. By the I age of two. Their outlook, their personality, their wow. perspective. And you know what it's based on? What? How are they nurtured? Those early two years, how are they nurtured? Do their needs finally get met, but the person meeting them is frustrated? Am I happy? Am I celebrated? Am I a burden? All of those things are being processed in that little brain when you're changing diapers, <laughs> it, it fits, you know. Right. I did not know that. That is that is it's incredible. incredible. Yeah. Um, that that's crazy. That's also, um, you know, I I um, I think about some of the contrast between 
being um, being there in that moment when you're changing diapers, you're wiping yeah. noses, you're dealing with tantrums, someone colored mm-hmm. all over the walls. You know when you're right. when you're doing all these things and you're you know right at, in that moment where it's just too much. Um, versus when you're at work, you know, you like you said, everyone has bad days, even when you have a job and you know, yes. even when you have a career, not just yes. a job. Yes. But the difference is is that when you're in a career, um, when you have a career. You get promotions. You yes. get acknowledgement. Yes. You get someone patting you on the back. You exactly. get raises. You know exactly. So when you're at home, you don't get much of a thank you. You know, right. you you are expected to do those things. Not just expected, but demanded to. Two year olds are very demanding. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, you can Your husband comes home. He was just at work, working really hard. He come. He comes home. He wants to relax. And you know. I don't think that a lot of husbands or people who don't do that aren't stay-at-home moms realize how it feels to be a stay-at-home mom. Like I used to think, well, when I'm a, when I'm a stay-at-home mom, um, if I ever become a stay-at-home mom, I'm gonna learn how to play the guitar. I'm going to learn another language. I'm gonna do all these online classes. <laughs> and when I became a stay-at-home mom, I realized that it is hard constant work. You don't get a lunch break. You don't get to clock out at 5.30. You don't get any of those things. You don't get PTO. You don't get any of those things. You're a mom 24-7, nonstop. And it it is, at first for me, when I first became a stay-at-home mom, it felt dehumanizing. Like I felt like I lost a part of who I was. Wow. Because I had to put it on the back burner and be who they needed me to be. Yeah. So that sounds a lot like dying to yourself. Yeah. Like there's certain things about yourself. You lose yourself temporarily because you're giving it up as a sacrifice. Exactly. Not forever. It's just for a season. Exactly. And you're still who you are. You know, I'm not trying to make anyone feel like they are losing themselves, but it is a sacrifice. Yeah. But it's a sacrifice worth making. It is. And, um, you know, you live for an audience of one. This is such a huge thing. Because when you get all that affirmation from the world and the peers and the employers and all that, it's so gratifying. But... The difficult thing I think about parenting is you're doing it for the Lord. You're doing it to honor His Word. But the reward and the benefit is going to come much, much later. That is so true. So there's that you don't get immediate gratification. It's by faith. Right. And so you have the here and now, and you have the down the road eternity where the rewards will come. Right. And the whole world is going to see what you did in private, in right. obscurity, you know. Right. And, and God himself will give you the rewards for that. But that's harder than if you get that immediate... Yeah, I mean, I can't live without you. And it's not just that, it's also the respect of people. Like, if you meet a high-powered attorney, female attorney, and then you meet a mother of five or of ten, which one do you automatically kind of, I mean, 
for the most part, people will have more admiration for the high-powered attorney right. than right. for the mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that that is... I mean, you work really hard to become an attorney, but being a stay-at-home mom and raising human beings, teaching yeah. them, if you're doing it right, it takes a lot of work. Yeah. I had a lady, an older woman, who was helping me. I was a very young mom and she was talking to me and she said those very things. Tiffany, she said, you know, your investment, you don't see the result. It's by faith. Right. Oh my gosh. And I just did a, I just did a message about faith and, um, it talks about, there's some, some passages in the Bible that talk about faith and it talks about all these people who had faith. And then it says these people that I just mentioned didn't even see the result of their faith. Like they died without seeing the results of their faith. But then after you see that Abraham did become a father of multitudes of of a nation, you know, and um, you see the result after the fact. And it's so easy to look at these stories in retrospect and say, yeah, faith is awesome. But when you're in that moment and you literally poured out your life, your heart and your Mm -hmm. soul into something that you don't get to see the fruit of, like, that's what faith is. That That's is. what faith looks like. Yeah. And that blows my mind because, yeah. first of all, the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. Yeah. You know, and, and second of all, faith is is really the source of everything good that we could ever produce yeah. is produced in faith and through faith. Yeah. And, and it honors the Word. Right. That's what I just love is we have to make that choice. Am I going to honor the Word of God or not? Right. And to the degree that we honor the Word of God, that's going to last. I think people sometimes spend so much time and effort trying to figure out what they believe and try to figure out why they believe what they believe that they don't or they fail to walk out what they believe. Mm -hmm. So sometimes what you believe is, well, what you believe, first of all, is not a feeling. Um, I read a verse in Psalms that talks about, I put my faith in you, O Lord. Mm-hmm. I put it in you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just fall. It's not yeah. like the, the, um, it's not like the feather in Forrest Gump that just kind of floats around and lands where it will. You have to, you have to willingly, purposefully mm-hmm. put that faith somewhere. Yeah. And then when you put it in that place, you have to walk it out or it produces nothing yeah. because because faith without works is dead. Right. So that's like a hard one for me because follow through is not my strong suit at all. Mm-hmm. So I can talk about faith all I want, but if I don't act on the faith that I supposedly have, then it's not really there. Yeah. And so I, I think that I think that people today are have become really good about talking about what they believe or what they mm-hmm. think or what their opinions are. And they put it out there for the world to see. But what are they doing behind closed doors? Yeah. Yeah. Authenticity is so important. Yeah. That definitely gives me something to think about for a while. (laughs) Wow, I feel convicted. Um, But yes, thank you, Sue. Mom. (laughs) 
You are so amazing, and I love you so much. I love you, too. Well, okay. I think think we're good. Uh, The next episode is going to be Thursday the 22nd, and I'm going to tell you guys the second part of my testimony, and um, we'll talk about um, being a single mom. We'll talk about some of my struggles um, dating in the church, and um, I am excited to share that portion with you. So join me on the next episode of The Brazen Truth. Until then.